get excited about, about growing in Christ. Let's get excited about reaching those around us. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to talk about, just for a few moments, one of the most important things you can ever do. Okay? There are a lot of important things, but this is like one of the most important. And we're going to talk about it um, for just a few minutes. So, would you read that with me? What I want to do is I want to read this passage. This kind of a, a primary passage for me on the purpose of the church. Okay? And... Um, just read along with me, and you're going to see a lot come out. We're going to focus on one part of it. Are you ready? <clears throat> Let's start in, um, actually, I want to start in verse 42. I have verse 44 up there, but let's start in verse 42. Are you ready? You have your Bible open? All right, if you're using your app, you got it ready? Let's read it. It says, and they devoted themselves... Oh, by the way, these are those who had received the word. This is the day of Pentecost. The Spirit has been poured out. The promise that Jesus gave. And I like, I got to say something before I read that. Um, one of the things that Peter was preaching, he bore witness, continued to exhort them. And he said, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Amen? We today live in the midst of a crooked generation. Paul talked about it being a nation of a crooked and perverse nation. I heard Howard Hendricks say that means we live in the midst of a nation of crooks and perverts. Crooked and perverse, get it? We do. We need to be delivered from that, right? I just think it's interesting. He said that. And those who received the word and were baptized, uh, that were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching or doctrine is another word for teaching, and the, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple, there are two places, they were, they're gathering publicly in the best place that they could gather at that time <clears throat> in the temple complex, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. You'll see house to house. So they're meeting in small groups and they're meeting in large group. And it says, and they receive food with gladness or with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Now, I mentioned earlier about, um, oh, I guess I need to turn this on. I mentioned earlier about three for 30. And the, these are the three, reach, train, give. And for this month, we're focusing on reaching, on reaching. And right here in this verse, right here in this verse, we have, oh, by the way, can I back up there? Um, take a, take a, go to our Facebook page. This link is on there. And there's all kinds of resources that have been made available for us. Uh, there's the link. You can take a picture of it if you want to and type it in or go to our church Facebook page and there should be a post on there. You can click on it. And on this emphasis this month, month about reaching others, there's all kinds of information about reaching your own kids. There's podcasts. There's articles. There's all kinds of links there that to help you have more information so I can save time preaching today, right? And you've got all that there if you'll just go there and look through the 3 for 30 and on re the reach section is what we're on this, this month, okay? 
And so would you use that? It's a tool, all right? Okay, all I can do is offer it to you. It's up to you whether you're going to use it or not. But so let me say this. In that passage that I read, you see five of the purposes of the church right there. Oftentimes we outline it this way. You see, these, these are, this is it. And I'll have people ask me time to time, so what is our church purpose? What is our, our church vision? What is our church purpose statement? And I talk about this. You've probably heard me mention this many times. Um, and that is, there are these five main things. Worship, instruction or discipleship, fellowship, ministry, and evangelism. Now that last one we're going to focus on for a little while, evangelism. And the word literally means to spread good news, the good message. That's what that word means, and we're going to look at it. But you see, all of these are right here in this passage. Do you see that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching? That's important, because the apostles' teaching was given to them directly by Christ. Everything they were doing and everything they were teaching had to be traced directly to these apostles sent out by Jesus himself. Because they were already false teachers, right? Now we do the same thing as what they wrote and those who studied them wrote was inspired by God and is in this book. Okay? So we're still doing that. So there's your instruction, your discipleship. So they, to the disciple, the teaching, fellowship, that the word is koinonia, as they were together and shared in common. That's a powerful purpose that we can't neglect. And during COVID and during shutdown and isolation, we could not do that on an upfront and personal level. We need that. We kind of had to do it remotely. But we need this. We need that. You need that fellowship. It's part of what God wants to do. It's part of fulfilling the purpose that he has for us is our sharing together in each other's lives. And a lot of what God wants to do in your life, he's going to do to other people in the family. And if you say, I can be a Christian without going to church, I can be saved without connecting to a local body of believers. Yeah, you can be saved. But don't say that I can be as good a Christian by myself as I can connected to other believers in a local church because you can't. You don't have all the spiritual gifts and a lot. You're part of a body for crying out loud. My arm wouldn't do too well if it was cut off from the rest of my body, would it? It needs to be connected and it has a function. That's what that's all about. That's part of that fellowship. As we encourage each other, we meet each other's needs. I could preach a whole sermon on that, but I don't have the voice for it. And then so we have that happening. We see that they're praying. And they're worshiping together. Worship is one of the, the, everything flows from the heart of worship. That's why I've got it up there first. Of our just finding out who God is. Now, Wednesday night, let me say this. Man, we had an awesome time here Wednesday night. We had one of our first meals. We had more people here. Um, uh, I started a new class called Operation Worldview. It's based on the perspectives course. And we've got four segments. We have the first two are two biblical ones. And we're going to do the second one Wednesday night. But we're talking about, right, the story. What's the story above all stories? It's the story of his glory. And, and we find out we know so little about how awesome who God is. And everything flows from just a heart of worship as we bow before him, as we're overwhelmed by him. By the way, we're meeting uh, here at 6 on Wednesdays, meal at 6. And we're trying to start class around 6.30, 6.45. All right? So come on out and join us. We've got something for everybody. But that's what we've been talking about. And everything flows from that. And then ministry. We see that they're meeting each other's needs. And they're serving each other. They gain favor with people who weren't part of them. And the Lord was adding to the church. Those who were being saved. Now, let me just say something. 
of all these purposes that you see right there in day one of the early church. I want to tell you that there's one of these. There's one of these that will cease when we get to heaven. All right? There's one. All of these aspects of being a disciple of Christ follower. One, only one will cease when you get to heaven. I mean, think about it. What are you thinking with me? I know I sound a little weird today, but you got to stay with me on this. Think about this. Worship of God will continue throughout all eternity. It's going to be enhanced in a way we can't even imagine now. Worship's going to continue. Billions of years from now, we'll be worshiping God in splendor and glory in ways we can't even fathom. Fellowship will not cease in heaven. We'll experience like we've never known it before. Our fellowship will be deeper and it will never end because there's no night in heaven. We'll enjoy perfect fellowship with God and perfect fellowship with one another because unlike all of your quirks that get on people's nerves, you're going to be perfect then. Amen? Okay. It's like, what are you talking about? The word of God will not cease when we get to heaven. It's not going to disappear. Psalm 119.89 declares that his word is forever settled there. It tells us that this world will pass away, but the word of God endures forever. I want to tell you, there's things about God is God's word that we will have all eternity of learning more and deeper aspects of God's revelation that, that we will never get to the end of it or to the depths of all that God has about who he is and all he's trying to teach us. So the word of God doesn't end. It's, we'll learn. And as I said, ministry will continue. Not that you'll have any needs, but we'll be joyously serving. That's what ministry needs means, remember? Ministry means serving. We'll be serving God and serving one another. But there is one. There is one thing that you only can do within the realm of time that you'll not be able to do in eternity. And that is leading lost people to Christ. That's one of these purposes that's going to cease when we go into eternity. You and I only have the space of one lifetime to help other people Understand the good news and go from darkness to light, from death to life, eternal life. If you're serious about following Christ, you want to grow in worship. You want to grow in fellowship with God and the saints. You're going to grow as you're in the instruction of his word and you want to walk obediently to it. You're going to be serious about serving Christ in whatever way he has with the gifts that he gives you. But an outgrowth of all of this has got to be in different ways for all of us that every single one of us have a passion to share the good news about salvation and transformation through Christ with lost, dying people so that they can get enough info to come to faith in Christ themselves and know what it's like to have eternal life. Because there's a day coming. Okay? There's a cutoff for this. That's why I just want to emphasize. Don't look so sad. Come on. We got an opportunity. Are you still alive today? Say amen. 
Okay, you heard about the Baptist church where they called 911 and said there's someone that's had a heart attack and they're down and the paramedics got there and they carried 50 people out before they found the right one. You know, so liven up a little bit. There is a, but, but okay, so I said that. Now I'm going to lead into something really tough. There's a day coming. And I just want to read it. I want to try not to expound on it. But this is a scene that we get after the end. After the end. A scene in heaven. Judgment day is coming. In Revelation chapter 20 verse 10, it says, The devil, there at the end, who deceived them, was cast into what the Bible calls the lake of fire. And brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And if you've read in Revelation, you know who it's talking about. Actually, we don't know their names, but we know what, okay? Who's the false prophet? Who's, I'm not. Anyway, I said I wasn't going to comment, so back off. I'm not, you're looking at me like, oh, who are they? <clears throat> it says, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 11, then I saw a great white throne. And him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was no place found for them. That's how awesome he is. Verse, 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Here's the thing. If you have Christ in your heart, you may have to die once. That's when your death means separation, by the way, in the Bible. It's when your soul, your spirit separates from your body. You go out to eternity. But he's very clear for those who reject Christ. There's a second death. Separation from God. And all that is God. For eternity. In a place the Bible refers to as like. Now, I didn't think that up. That's the scripture. This is a motivation for me. One of these days, the trumpet's going to sound. We've only got a space of so much time, and we don't know how much. To grow in our worship, in our fellowship, in our ministry, in, 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 in discipleship. So that we can share the good news. Because the sharing the good news part, that's going to be over with on that day. It's too late. Now, you may have grown up, many of you I know, grew up in a tradition where you were taught that there's some time, some place after death, a place of purging where you could still get things right. You may believe that, but you've got to know this. That's a tradition a church, some churches teach. This book does not teach it. That's why here in our church, we base everything we do and believe on this book. 
the scriptures. We believe it's inspired from cover to cover, from Genesis to maps. I say that because usually right after the book of Revelation, we've got maps in our Bible, right? We believe that. And it never changes. And it's going to stand forever. This is one of the books that will be open because the Word of God endures forever. You can't get away from this. You can run from it all your life. You can't get away from it. And um, that's why we believe it. And I, I believe the Word of God. And because of that, I've got to share this. I can't just set on it. This is something we should be passionate about. People need to hear this. Okay? So I just want to mention now just a little bit more about this whole focus of reaching, reaching others. Reaching. About evangelism. It starts in our own home. And parents, the biggest job you have, the biggest ministry you have is reaching your own kids. Parents, that's it. It's, it's not just, just going to automatically happen. And it's tough. This is a tough time. You know what? It's a tough time to be a kid. I mean, it's a good thing the Lord got a hold of me when I was like 14. I mean, really, I got saved when I was about 10. But the Lord really got a hold of me when I was 14. Everything changed. I fully surrendered even more. My mom said it's a good thing you did because if you had done like some of the others, you might not have made it through those years of rebellion. God knew he needed to get a hold of you early. I'm glad he did. I'm glad I let him. But we talk about this. We talk about the meaning. What does it mean to evangelize? What does it mean? That word literally means to make known the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. That's what it means. That's the whole meaning of it. And as the early church was an evangelistic church. You see that there were 3,000 souls saved that day. A short time later, there were 5,000. And then it was, those were being added day by day. And so these first disciples took that command of, of going and telling others. They took it seriously, didn't they? And so it is the, when we talk about sharing the gospel, about evangelism, it is the verbal and visible. Did you get those two words? Verbal and visible declaration of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind done with the intent of helping people come to Christ for salvation. It's more than just telling people about Jesus. It's telling them about God's provision for their salvation through Jesus Christ. To help them come to the Savior. And the Bible is saying as God's plan unfolded, there were times that God winked at the ignorance. But Acts 7.30 says, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men, that's all mankind everywhere, to repent. That word repentance, that means Understanding and taking ownership of the fact that I'm a sinner. And as we were talking in membership class earlier, this is one area where Christianity is different than all the religions of the world. People say, well, it's just another world religion. No, they're not all the same. All of these others are kind of the same. It's all about stuff you do to try to get to the next level or get to paradise or whatever. Stuff you do. But the gospel, Christianity, true Christianity, says there's nothing you can do on your own. None of your works will earn it for you. In fact, the way you get started is by admitting that you can't do it. 
You admit that you are a sinner. And you turn from your own efforts and your own self. And you turn to him and trust fully in what God did on your behalf. It's repentance. Now I'm going to be transformed because his presence is in me and his word is guiding me. And I'm going to try to do good works because I am saved. Not trying to earn salvation. Those verses talked about being judged. We are going to be accountable for our deeds. But the big thing that you're accountable for is whether you are going to trust Christ or not. And the work that he did on the cross. That's the, that's the only work, so to speak, that you can do for salvation is trust in the work he did. And this is what the Bible's telling us. And this is what people need to know. You could say we could walk across a bed of hot coals across our parking lot. And if you could do that, you would have eternal life. We'd have to ever worry about death. People would probably line up to do it. But when you say there's nothing that you can do, God already did it for you. What you have to do is fully trust and surrender to him. Somehow or another, that's too difficult for people. It doesn't make sense, does it? Jesus told us that we would make us, he told the disciples this and he's telling us that we'll become fishers of men. See, they were trying to catch fish. He said, I'm gonna, from now on you're going to try to catch. We're supposed to still be fishers of people, right? Most fishermen, including myself, don't have the attitude. Well, if they bite, fine. If they don't, fine. I don't care. No, I want to do everything that I can to present the right thing in the right way to make it as easy as possible. For the fish to bite. Some people in the way they try to share. Scare all the fish off. Right? So we need to be smart about this. So the good news. Can only be understood properly. When the bad news is also understood. Right? Remember we talk about this all the time. That's why it's good news. If it wasn't for the bad news. It wouldn't be good news. It would just be news. And the bad news is. Is that we can't save ourselves. The Bible says there's none of us righteous, no, not one. We're all sinners. And God is a perfect and holy God. We need a clear understanding of God's holiness and our sinfulness. Before people will understand they need to be saved, you have to understand that you're lost. So to understand the good news, you do have to understand the bad news. A lot of people think they're doing okay. You want to know why? Because they're comparing themselves with other people. And they think they're doing all right. But yet God says, I'm not comparing you with other people. Here's what God is saying. Unless you measure up to the perfection of Jesus Christ, unless you're as perfect in all your thoughts and your attitude as God is, then you fall short of his glory and you are a sinner. That's what the Bible says. And you need to be saved. You have to receive what Jesus did on the cross as payment for your sin. So you can be delivered. And the importance of this. This is so important. This is the object of what we do. Do We don't need to forget this is one reason we're here. Right? I mean there are a lot of ways that we can be involved in the lives of people around us. 
We minister to the sick. We help the needy, the hungry, the homeless, the bereaved. We try to reach out to those who have got into bondage of addiction and help them have the tools and the support and the accountability to get out. We, we try, we, we, meet, we gotta, see, this is all ministry. This is all stuff that we do to show the love of God. Uh, but the object of all of that is to show forth the love of God and point people to the biggest need that they have, the biggest need, and that is God. And we've got to point them to the answer to every problem they have, which is God. And we need to call attention to them of the most valuable resource they possess, and that is their eternal soul. You have an eternal soul. Believe it or not, you're going to spend eternity somewhere. That's what the Bible teaches. You can't just say, well, you have your way, I have my way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Either that's right or either there's nothing. Okay? This is so important. Because, you know, if a person's poor, that's bad. But people can recover from poverty, right? In fact, that's one of the ministries we do. We try to help people get the resources and the tools and the learning and the discipline to recover from poverty. People can recover from um, uh, losing their job. You can recover from unemployment. And we can try to help people do that. <clears throat> How about homelessness? If you, have, if you don't have a house to live in, that's bad. But people can recover from homelessness. And we can play a part in that. You person can be sick. Or you can have a bad home situation. All of those are bad things. But people can and do recover from all of those situations. However, people who die without knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will be hit with a blow from which they will never recover for all eternity, says the Bible. Be separated from God. So this is the most important. So we want to help people recover from addiction. But that's not all. We want to help people come to Christ. We want to help people in all these different ways we minister. But part of the reason for that is so they see the love of God. So they come to Christ. All right? Leading people to Christ is at the core of what we do. Are we doing it? Starting even in our home and in our neighborhoods. Doesn't mean you have to preach it, people. But here's the scope of it. Jesus said to them, this is for he ascended, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Did you get that? The whole creation? Everybody. Every creature. We got a lot of creatures around here. Every creature. All the world. Everyone. How, how are they going to hear the good news? How are people going to know? He didn't send the angels. He's not going to write it in the sky. He's going to send those who have come to him because other people told him. And he's going to equip them to go tell others. And then those who receive his message, he will equip to tell yet more. We're to go into all the world. Listen to how Paul explains it in Romans 10, 13. He said, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. <clears throat> He's done all the work. Did you hear that? Get that verse down if you don't have it. All you got to do is call upon his name. And it's a promise. He will save you. That's awesome. Everybody needs to know about this. Right? So he says, 
How are they going to call on him in verse 14 if they've not believed in him? How are they going to call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they going to believe in him whom they've not heard? If they haven't heard about him, how are they going to believe in him? If they haven't believed in him, how are they going to call on him and be saved? And then he says, how shall they hear without a preacher? Someone to proclaim this. This doesn't just mean a pastor preacher. This is anybody who proclaims the message. And we're helping each other do this because then in verse 15 he says, And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And that's part of what we're doing this morning when we say amen and we leave this place. We're sending out a family of believers to help others. And as a for church family, we're helping send people all over the world who are specifically called to go to different areas. That's what we're doing. And he quotes an Old Testament verse. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 21, to his disciples, he said to them, this is like Jesus was resurrected and he kept appearing to them and scaring them. You know, it's like, oh, there's Jesus. Wouldn't that be something you had to be ready for? Because after Jesus resurrected, they would just be doing something and he, he would just come right through the wall. Peace. And that's why I say peace to you. Settle them down a little bit. He said, here's, here's what I want you to know. As the Father sent me, I also send you. He wasn't just saying that to those 11. He's saying it to you too. You've got purpose. You've got value. You've got meaning for your life. He sent us all to be fishers of men. I mean, sometimes though, we got to get involved in the ministry part to lead others. We're going to get our hands dirty. There was a guy who looked out his window one day and he saw his neighbor in his backyard sitting in a lawn chair with his fishing pole and he's fishing in a big old wash tub. <laughs> he walked over and he had a look at it. He says, well, man, you're just fishing in a wash tub. There ain't no fish in there. You're not going to catch any fish. He said, yeah, but isn't it convenient? Right? Yeah, it might be convenient, but it's no good. It's no good. Well, I want to tell you, it's convenient for us to come to church. In fact, it's necessary but this isn't where the fish are. Jesus was willing to leave the splendors of heaven and come down into the flesh that he might save us. So he wants us to be willing to get out there and to be sometimes discomforted. It might be a hassle to get involved with someone's life in order to help them in ways so that they understand the good news and come to Christ. So church services are so important. In fact, you're not going to stay on fire. You're not going to stay equipped. You're not going to be involved in fellowship and ministry if you neglect gathering together. That's why he told us not to neglect it. But it's not just about you being full and it was so good. It's just like going to see a good show. No, that's not what it is. Listen to this. Church services are supposed to be like a filling station, not a rest station. We just want to pull in and rest. This is my escape from the world. And you know, it can fulfill some of that. But what this is like, it's like the filling station. You pull up to the gas station on a trip and you refuel. Why? So you can keep going on your journey. I want you to be refilled so that you're ready to leave here and continue your journey. You don't say to your car, oh, isn't it nice to be full? Let's just sit here for a long time and enjoy your tank being full. No, you fill it up for one reason. And the purpose is so that you can go where you need to go and do what you need to do. 
It's a great thing that we get filled here, and you should, but yet the idea is to leave the station and drive the gospel message into all the world. That's what he wants us to do. So one of the reasons God wants you to grow is so that you can let your light shine among all the people that are around you. Whatever place he puts you in. He may put you in some difficult places for this. But he's got you there for a reason. So that means sometimes we got to be around people who think differently and are unbelievers. And you say, well, I'm afraid for that. I don't want the world to rub off. And we're, we want to protect our kids. We don't want the world. Unless I'm telling you, they're going to have to deal with the world someday. You need to start teaching them now. There are going to be different thoughts and ideas they need to be ready for. And they need to know the scripture. They need to know how to defend and the truth. And if we grow enough, we'll get to the point to where instead of worrying about them influencing us, we influence them. They see light. They see life. And I'll tell you one way it happens is when sometimes you go through a bad thing that happens in your life. You go through a hard time, a tragic time. A difficult time. And they see you go through it. And they know what you believe because you have the verbal, but they also have the visible. Because now they see that there's something holding you up. There's something different about you. And all of a sudden they want to know what is it that's making you tick. And going through that bad time might be the vehicle that God uses to open their heart to receive that good news about Jesus. And you've got credibility. Because I want to tell you, that this whole thing is as much caught as it is taught. Now, it has to be taught. People are going to be saved without the word. It has to be taught. But it's also caught. And it's also that way in the home as well. And so, this is the work of the church. Is that we come together to equip the saints. So, it's not just my job to reach lost people. It's not just that like our whole purpose of these services isn't just so. And sometimes people come in. They hear the gospel. They understand it. The lights come on. And they want to get saved right here, right now. Most often it's because what's going to happen is you're going to be equipped as we study the scripture, as we worship together, as we receive instruction, we're equipped, right? As we fellowship together, as we minister together, then these are the purposes we're talking about. Then we go out and we're more equipped to let the light shine through us. Some of the people out there, they don't know about all these churches not all of them are that great. A lot of them are. Are these preachers? They don't know about this book. They've heard all kinds of crazy things. But they know you. They know if you're for real. And they see you going through some stuff. And they see there's something different about you. How are you making it? And it's because of the presence of God and the word of God in your life. And maybe for the first time for them, something that, that we just expect, because if you're American, you ought to believe this. It's not that way anymore, folks. But because they know you, and they know you're for real, all of a sudden it gives some cred, some credibility to this. Well, maybe I need to look at it, because they're seeing it real in your life. And then they begin to discover. They've never gone to church or never gone to where they liked it but all of a sudden that seems to be something important to you and they see what's happening in your life I need to check that out it'll be kind of like Pete Palmer told us Scott we're in New Guinea and we saw some guys come out of the, the jungle bush to the area they're asking for missionaries but I remember in one spot there was a tribe that had been reached with the gospel. And sure, having missionaries there brought supplies that they didn't have otherwise. 
But they were in spiritual darkness. They were constantly thinking there were things being done in the wicked spirits doing things. But the tribe that had received the gospel were freed from that because they had the Lord. They had the truth. They had freedom. They had deliverance. They had salvation. And the other tribe said they are not afraid of the dark any longer. Remember Tim Johnson telling us this story too? They're not afraid of the dark any longer. They have light in their eyes. We want that light in our eyes. They tell us it's because they receive talk from God. We want that. It's not fair that they have it and we don't. Isn't that amazing? So they started making arrangements then to get a missionary there to teach them this. And that tribe came to the Lord too. Same thing happens in our tribes. As they see us go through stuff and come out the other side. Not that you're always going to be perfect, but sometimes how they see you handle failures and stumbles too can teach them. Right? And all of a sudden they're like, I want that. And then for the first time maybe and ever they're open to this. One more thing is Acts 1.8. Remember that? Our verse last week, you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the world, all over the world. That's the power for this. It's the Holy Spirit's job to provide the power. You're not just doing this by yourself. God is going to provide the power for you to be a witness for Christ. But I think the thing is, is we need to get serious about it. Can I read you just a quick story before we go? This is a story. It's not in the Bible. This is not how it happened. It's an illustration. Listen to this. Jesus returned to glory after his time on earth. And even in heaven, he bore the marks of his earthly pilgrimage and his cruel cross and shameful death. He had the scars. Gabriel came up and said, Master, you must have suffered terribly for men down there. And he replied that yes, he did. Gabriel continued, do, you know, do they know and do they all appreciate how much you love them and what you did for them? And Jesus replied, no, not yet. Right now, only a handful of people in Palestine know. Gabriel was perplexed and he asked, then what have you done to let everyone know for your love for them and your salvation? Jesus said, I've asked some friends, Peter, James, John, and some others to tell others about me. And then those who they tell will tell others about me also. And my story will be spread to the furthest reaches of the globe. Ultimately, all of mankind will have heard about my life and what I've done for their salvation. Gabriel frowned and looked skeptical. He well knew what poor stuff humans were made of. And he said, yeah, but what if Peter and James and John grow weary? What if the people who come after them, what if they forget? What if way down there in the 21st century, people just Forget to tell others about you. Haven't you made any other plans? And Jesus answered. I haven't made any other plans. I'm counting on them. So 21 centuries later, he still has no other plan. The plan that God gave is he's counting on you and me who have received the word of God to be the ones who share the word of God. And high on God's to-do list is the evangelization of the world starting with your home. His early disciples adopted his priority. They devoted themselves to reaching the world. He counted on them and they delivered. How about us? 
Let's pray.